God sometimes sees us, I think. When I look at it and I think about the, the Lord, I wonder if now and then the Lord doesn't look down sometimes and, and say, I've clothed you in righteousness and holiness. I've clothed you and made you the person you ought to be. And it just seems like a little ways down the road, we kind of slip away from it. And the first thing you know, we're, we're kind of looking like my son did. We, we don't look much like God's children. We look like a mess. And so that's the reason why the Scripture this morning that I want to use is that God called watchmen. He called watchmen to sound the alarm in a time of danger. He, he told us in Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, you'll find in the third chapter, verses 17 and 18, I want to talk to you about this morning. For notice what he said in these verses. He said, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, thou shalt give him not, and if thou shalt not give him warning, nor speak to warn the sinner from his sinful ways, to save his life, the same sinful man shall die in his sin, but his blood will be required upon your hands. And so what the Bible is telling us here is God not only calls watchmen, but God also calls leaders and servants in the kingdom. I believe that Sunday school teachers are called. I believe that people that serve on boards and committee are called of God. I believe pastors are called. And when we are called as servants, we are called to be watchmen over their souls. Watchmen over their lives to keep them from danger, to get them ready. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, you are to obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself to their leadership. Now I believe that we are called to be watchmen. I believe every one of us that are in leadership are called to be watchmen. And I'll never forget, you know, if you want to know what a watchman is all about... Have you ever watched, and I've been there and seen them, but have you ever watched on television, every once in a while they'll show the White House early in the morning. They'll show the White House in the day. And if you look close enough at it, you will find that there are people, there are watchmen that are walking the perimeter of the White House to protect those in legislation, those who are leaders, those that are there to be the leaders of our country. And not only does it happen there, but I can remember the time when I made a call. When I pastored in Pennsylvania, I went to the, to, uh, the, the, the prison in, in Pittsburgh. And I can remember the first time being there, didn't know where I was at, didn't know where I was to park. But I parked my car, and it was in a wrong place. But I got out of my car and locked it all up. I don't know why I'm worried about it because I was at a prison. I mean, they're already locked up. But, but I locked it all up. And as I was walking down the sidewalk beside this high wall, all of a sudden I heard somebody holler down, Hey, you! And I turned and looked and I didn't see nobody. I just thought, man, I've got to keep moving here. And pretty soon I heard that holler again. And I happened to look up. And there he was standing with a rifle in his hand. He said, You cannot park where you park. Yes, sir, where shall I go? <laughs> you know, I wasn't arguing with them. But you know what? Watchmen are there for a reason. You see, they're protecting us. It doesn't make any difference whether or not you agree with everything. 
that is told to you or you agree with everything that is said, I want you to know that you ought to submit to your leadership. You ought to submit to the pastor. If God calls a pastor to come to this church and He calls him to be your leader, you need to submit to him and his leadership because he is there under the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit's leadership. God sent him there for your to watching out. And with God's leading, that pastor is watching for your soul. And left alone, even in the church, sometimes we just become a mess. We become like my little boy. You see, we become untucked. We come without realizing and doing everything that God's called us to do. And so I say that's why God has called pastors to warn people of the evil that is about them. There is a lot of evil in the world today, more than it's ever been in my lifetime, more than I've ever seen. Every day, I don't think it could get any worse, but it seems like it does. The deeper we go, there is much evil around us and the world in which we are living, and we do not always measure up to all that we know and need to be doing, even as Christians, when it comes to the Word of God. I want to tell you something. I thought about a story that uh, Jody... uh, Dietrich tells about her family. A family, this is a young Christian woman, and the family would gather together like some families do, and and some of you have done just recently going down to, to South Carolina. Well, they had a place in Arkansas. They went to a beautiful lake in Arkansas. Every three years, the family would gather together. And they would all come from all parts of the country and they would meet there in Arkansas at that lake and they would enjoy uh, their time of the gorgeous scenery and the good fishing and especially the fellowship of getting acquainted again with all of the family. They had traveled from their homes to visit together. But early in the morning, Jody's mother awakens early, not wanting to waken anyone else. She and little Brownie decided to go for a walk. And so she was taking Brownie for a walk through the woods. And as they were walking through the woods, he was excited like most pups are when they get out and get some freedom. And she was walking him along. He was glad to get out of that place where they were. And he would get out there and run. And he'd run off and dash away and then he'd come back. And he'd run off and he'd come back. And as they were going down the path, all of a sudden, Brownie stopped. And there was a growl. And his mother stopped and she looked. And within 15 inches in front of her, there was a, a diamond black rattler setting up, ready. And she stood there. As she stood there, she, she was almost speechless. And she said, Oh God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And at moment down, she looked down at her feet and there was a couple of rocks. She reached down and she grabbed those rocks and she aimed that rock at the head of that black of that rattler and she threw the rock and threw another rock and she walked over in a little while and stirred it with a stick and found that she had killed it. So what did she do? She picked it up with a stick, kept wrapping it around and it was hanging down and she made her way back to camp carrying that rattlesnake. Now she was carrying back to the camp. Everybody began to look at her and said, What in the world? What, what are you doing? She said, I, 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 I killed this rattler. It was in the path over there. And he said, Brownie, uh, warned me of it. And, and she said, they said, Well, why in the world didn't you just run back to camp? Why did you take a risk of killing a snake that could have killed you? She said, Well, there was one reason. She said, I begin to think about the rest of my family. I begin to think about everybody else that walks his path. 
She said, I didn't want to run and scream back to camp and tell you about it and know he's still out there alive. He might bite somebody. He might kill somebody. She said, I did what I had to do. And I begin to think about, wouldn't it be wonderful if we as Christians would have that kind of courage? Now, I'm not talking about killing diamondback rattlers. I'm not talking about having courage. I, I wish that we had more of us as had the courage of that mother, not necessarily to face rattlesnakes with rocks, but we all encounter great spiritual dangers. We all encounter dangers, my friend, frightening article, uh, obstacles that we, as we travel through life. It's often easier to run away from them than it is to deal with them. And you know something? I find a lot of people that way today. You see, today as a parent, you may be battling some problems. You may be battling problems that's been there for a long time. Maybe things that controlled your parents. Maybe things that controlled your grandparents. Something that's been in your life. My friend, sometimes, you know, it may have been a parent that had problems with alcoholism. And because of that alcohol being there, because of it being there, and you growing up into that situation and seeing it, and sometimes you got a little taste of it, and pretty soon you got a little addiction to it. Let me tell you something. Remember one thing, my friend. When you drink that alcohol, you don't know what it's going to do to you. But worse than that, what will it do for those children and grandchildren that are falling behind you? You see, one of the things that may be that you're looking at, my friend, may not even be that. It may be something even simpler than that. It may be a, a habit of gossip. You know, gossip has killed more people and ruined more people in life than, than many other things that people, even them lying on people, gossip. You may have that. You may have seen it in your family. Maybe dishonesty. Maybe it's an anger. Maybe it's, you know, I see this today so much. And you know, I think they even, they even almost feed it to us on television anymore in the advertisements. I look at an advertisement and there's so much anger, anger, malice to destroy somebody, to hurt somebody. You see, sometimes if we don't control that, if we don't get God in our heart and get God to help us control that, you see that anger can carry over from one generation to the next. And so we need to realize that this is a snake that's behind us that we need to be have control of. It may be the lack of self-discipline. It may be overspending. It may be a, a marital problem that, that has been through years and years and years of family. Somewhere along the line, somebody needs to break that trend. And that trend, my friend, may have to come in your generation. It's important how you conquer those rattlers, not just because of the danger to you, not just because what would happen to me, what, what, what could happen to me, or what, what, what could happen to my family, but my friend, I knew that because there are people that's going to walk behind me, there are going to be family members, there's going to be grandchildren and great-grandchildren that's going to follow in the same steps and, and live in the same situation that I'm living in. And it depends on how I handle it, how they'll handle it. I hear it all the time. My, my son does a great job of preaching. Over a camp meeting this last year, but everywhere I go, I believe it dry this morning. I had a problem with my sciatic nerve last week. Took a couple pills yesterday. I think they're still drying me out. I don't know what it is, but anyway, my son. You know, people say all the time when they, they meet him. I, 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 you know, he. He, he grew up in our home. He, he knew what we, we expected him of him. We, he knew what we expected of our church people. 
And because of that, you know, when he felt the call to ministry and went off into ministry, and then when he, he became into that full-fledged ministry, I'll never forget the senior pastor who, who was there at the time, and when they brought him in and he began to do ministry, he began to do ministry that even the senior pastor wasn't doing. And it wasn't long until old Clarence says, you know what, that, that boy here, he's just like you. He just never quits. He's just always on the go. He's always doing... Let me tell you something. He knew that there is an eternity out there for people and you had to reach them no matter what the situation is. And sometimes we reach them when they're at the lowest level than we do when we're just sat in a sanctuary. So you see, we need to realize that there's some rattlers out there that's going to destroy, destroy our families if we're not careful. The path behind us, man, that they're following, they're walking down, they could be bitten, it could be hazardous to them. Often we say, and it's been true, often it's been said that one generation allows in what they allow in moderation, the next generation will indulge in in success, excess. And you know something? You stop and think about that. You look back at the generation that we have today. And I tell you that if you look back, and I lived in that generation, you go back to the 60s and you see that the, the generation that we had with the lack of discipline, with the idea that they could riot, they could do what they wanted to do, and now their children and their grandchildren have already been bled into all of that. How do you explain to them you can't do that when you did it? You see, we need to be careful on how we walk and where we walk. Often saying the true it is true. Baby rattlers grow up. Some's happening even today. Some even today that have grown up with ideas in their lives. The principle is clearly illustrated even in the Scripture way back in the Old Testament. And you begin to think about this, you know, the kings of Israel and Judah. The poison of sin grew stronger. Evil became more blatant. With each new king, it was a common phrase that if you read the book of Kings, and you would find it talks about the first kings and the second kings, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord as did his father. You see, as you look at the Old Testament, you see where it happened, where one father and another father and another father and another father, the more that they did, the more evil they became, the, the, the more that came down the line, the more evil the world became. Except for a few. Now, there, were, there have been a few. The common phrase has been there, but occasionally there would come someone that would, uh, with a brave heart, enough to kill the snake. There was a brave heart enough to say, enough is enough. King jo Joaz. And, and we think of Hezekiah. And I think about uh, uh, Joaz. And, uh, and, you know, I thought about how they saw the evil in the path behind their wicked fathers. And these men, when they took over, seeing that there was wickedness, seeing that the world was terrible. And so they begin to say, it's going to change. They begin to solve their problems. They begin to, to get right with God. And they begin to tear down the idols and the temples of Baal. They outlawed sorcery. They, they got rid of the, the idea of sacrificing human life. The false prophets were gone. They rebuilt the altars to Jehovah and renewed the covenant and reopened their lives to obedience to God and the leadership of God. And for a while, peace and blessing flowed. 
And if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that there was a time when there was peace and there was, there was joy in the camp again. There, was, there were people that were not afraid every night when they went to bed. But eventually, but eventually, new vipers were born. Eventually it came back and into sin. And rather than bow with the evil, they just continued on with the evil. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things. You know why we're in the situation we are in America today? Because let's face it, the church has not stood her ground. The church has not let a lot of things happen that shouldn't have happened. Do you know that the Bible was taken out of school by one woman? One person that's made a statement. Where was the church during that time? I can remember in days in ministry, in my ministry, in my lifetime, do you know something? When the schools did not practice, they didn't have band practice, they didn't have basketball, football, at that time that's all we had, baseball, but they never had practice on Wednesday night. Because the whole community knew Wednesday was the church's day. And so we didn't have that. But you know what? We have people today, I mean, I, I've been places, you know, I, when I pastored in one particular church, I, man, I looked out there and I thought, man, I had a nice crowd until I decided, got a call that I had to go to the hospital and went down some back streets to pass the ball field and I seen soccer set up. I'm telling you, there had to have been a thousand people out there in that soccer field while we were having church. Now, the reason that happens is, is because parents are more interested in their kid achieving in baseball and basketball and football and soccer and tennis that we are not willing to take a stand before them coach and that school board and say, look, you need to change this day. This is the day our young people learn about Jesus. This is the time that they come together. You know what? You can't have that anymore because youth pastors... I hear them all the time. They're, they're crying because they said, you know what? We don't have a chance. All the sports is going on. How do we teach the kids anything? Because, you see, in order to be on that team, you've got to be at practice. Let me tell you something, church. It's time that we take a stand for what we know. As far as the Bible reading and prayer goes, you know, people don't want to pray. You can't pray in public anymore. Let me tell you something. I pray anywhere. It don't make any difference to me. I walk into a hospital room. I, I've, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms where there have been two people in the same room. I stand between them on purpose. I get between them two beds, and I'm talking to my parishioner. I'm talking to my man or my woman that's from my church, and we're talking and we're sharing, and they introduce me to the lady or the guy next door. And you know what? Before you get done with that conversation, I'm getting about ready to leave. I say, listen, folks, why don't we just have prayer? Let's just go in together, and I'm reaching for both of them. I had one fellow tell me one time, he said, preacher, I'm a Methodist. I said, all right, I pray for Methodist. <laughs> Let's pray. You see, the problem is, is that we sometimes are afraid to step out. We're afraid. And yet, let me tell you something. God called us to be watchmen. When we see the evil that is there, we need to talk about it. We need to tell about it. I can remember way back, you know, uh, you know, cable TV's gotten ridiculous anymore. But I can remember when it first came in and they came to our town. You know what they they had? They, they had people, a couple of guys in my church said, you know, preacher, they're going to bring that cable to town, and and you know what? They got this program they sent out, and and for you to get this particular news channel or this particular channel for the right movie that you wanted, you had to take the other channels as well. They wouldn't divide them up, and so I went to the meeting. I, I said, well, I got a big church here in town. I'm going to go to that meeting. I'm going to find out why. And they said, well, this is the, this is the way the contract's written. And, and I said, where are these folks from? They were from Phoenix, Arizona, coming to Ohio to set up a cable. 
I said, folks, we don't live like they live in Phoenix, Arizona. We're a little town in Ohio. We don't want all that garbage. We don't want all that. Well, that's all we can get. We got a contract with them, and that's all we can get. And and you know, if you do, if you don't like it, you know, I, I guess you'll have to go to something else. And then they devise when they begin to talk about it. Well, we'll just give you a different box, but you'll have to pay five dollars difference for this box. I said, no, I, I, you know, everybody in town ought to get the box. Well, well, I, they came to me in private, and they said, no, no, preacher, we know this upsets you a little bit. I knew the mayor. We were friends. He didn't like what I was saying, but we were friends. And he said, I'll tell you why we talked to him. They're going to let you have that box without paying the $5. I said, they are. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? So I went to my church and I said to all my people, you go ask for a box. You don't have to pay $5. I didn't have to pay $5. You see what I'm saying? You see, when you take a stand, sometimes, you know, it makes a difference. I tell you what, they, 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 they tried to blackball me through that. They, they tried to me and they came to, I'll never forget, they came to my office, set that TV camera out there and got them cameras out, come through the door, and I, my house was right behind the secretary. I told Sarah, I said, I don't want to see anybody. I don't talk to nobody. Yeah, I'm not, you know, that's the way that ever works. We got, we got pastors that'll go out and talk to these people and they'll ask them questions and put them on a corner and put them on television and make them look like a fool. I said, no, they know my stance. I've already stated at the town meeting and I'm not going to talk to that camera. You just come going down the road and talk to somebody else. You know what? Because God's made us a, a watchman. What a preacher preaches, my friend. He doesn't preach to offend you. He preaches because he's got a demand from God. The Bible says, what the words of my mouth, you must speak unto them. If not, if I don't tell you it's wrong, then when I face God, it says that your blood will be upon my hands. That's what the Scripture says. That's what truth is. And so we need to realize today that we have an obligation. I want to tell you something. Sometimes when I begin to think about this, we need to ask ourselves, what snake in your path today? What well, would it be easy for you to coil up and let that uncontested thing go on? But before you walk away from evil, remember others are following behind you. Others are following behind you. Do you feel powerless to conquer your problems today? Do you feel like that, that you can't do it alone? Or who am I? Just by myself? As powerless as that woman with a few rocks and a prayer against a rattlesnake? Now I want to tell you something. You need to take courage today that this woman did. Because Jody's mother had been a Christian for years and years and years. And that's the reason why they met together in Arkansas. Because it was like a camp meeting to them. All the kids come from all around and all their friends. And they would meet at this place. And they would not only fellowship, but they'd worship together. They'd sing songs together. They'd re- they had preaching that went on. Why? Because they wanted this fellowship. Let me tell you something. This woman had power. Take courage. I'm going to tell you something, she walked with God all of her life, and He was walking her path with her. I believe with all of my heart that that morning when she walked out there with little old Brownie, and he was just bouncing along and having a good time and, and coming back to her and bouncing again, and, and I, when he saw that snake, I'm going to tell you something, before Brownie saw it and before Jody's mom saw it, God knew it was there. God knew it was there. That's the reason why she took that path. That's the reason why that snake was on that path. That's the reason why that when she stopped and froze, she was standing with two rocks in front of her. Because God knew 
He knew her heart. He knew her dedication. He knew that she lived for Him. He knew that she would trust Him. And God provided, my friend, something so simple as a couple of rocks that killed that snake before it bit anybody else. Now sometimes you know the things that God puts in our way. Sometimes our weapons seem so simple and even weak. Even weak. I want to tell you something. God tells us that we can overcome all situations. It may be that God's saying to you, you've got a situation in your life you can't handle, and you've tried it, and you've read every self-help book, and you've talked to every counselor you could, but you know what? You've talked to everybody, and you've raised your hand in church services and said, pray, i got an unspoken request, and that unspoken request, that problem down in here. But you yourself have never asked God. You've never prayed. Because that sounds too simple. Just say a prayer. That, that sounds too simple. People don't get, people say, well, I don't want to go that over and, and, and with my problem and give it, and that preacher's just going to tell me to pray. That's too simple. We, we live in a generation where we think we, we ought to see all this activity. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells me that, the Bible says, if, if you believe with your heart and you speak it with your mouth, it's yours. You see, sometimes our weapons of prayer is too small. It's too easy. Sometimes it's a Bible study. you got problems, you can't get along, you don't know what's going on, you say, well, I'll go among the people that I know and I'll see if they talk about their problems and see what they do. And you get into that study and they begin to talk about something in the Scripture and when that Scripture comes up, they say, you know what, this is what I did when I had that problem. This is what I did when I had that problem. And the first thing you know, you go away from Bible study, you may not even remember the Scripture, but you remember that you got some help out of it. You see, it's a simple thing. Prayer, Bible study, sometimes, you know, these seem like simple things. Fellowship, obedience. My friend, don't think, don't overlook the small weapons in the hands of a believer with a big God. Don't, don't, my friend, don't walk away thinking that there's nothing to it. This mother's took this rattlesnake into the camp. I want you to know that when she took it in on that stick, everybody laughed at her, and they said, man, I can't believe you would do that. In fact, they even teased her. They said next time she sees an old grizzly bed, she'll probably have a flash water and smack him with it. But I'm going to tell you what happened. That dad took that snake and he skinned it. And he coated it. And they use it now as a trophy of how God will protect their family. Everywhere they go, they talk about this snake that their mom killed, that their grandma killed, and with a couple rocks, and how God provided the rocks, and how God answered her prayer in the moment she needed it. Let me tell you something. It became a trophy. It was simple. It was small, but it became a trophy. Now it's a trophy of courage. I want to tell you that our Father in Heaven today wants to turn vipers in your path into trophies. He wants to turn them into trophies. Your courage, my friend. He wants to give you courage and grace and power. Your courage and His grace and His power. To look at that skin snake and say, I know if God could do this for Joni's grandma and Joni's mom, He can do it for me. I want to ask you this morning, what is it, what is it in your life? What is it that, that's holding you back? What is it that's keeping you? I thought about a well-to-do business investor who had a wild and reckless son. The man was well-known in town. He had big business, 
had lots of investments. And always people looked up to him, but he had this son that took advantage of it. He used to come wild and always in trouble. And the father couldn't do nothing. Everything he did, he tried to buy him way out of it. He, he'd get in trouble, he'd buy him a car. He, he'd get in trouble, he'd buy him new clothes. He'd get in trouble, he'd buy him something else that he wanted. Until one day the boy ran away from home. He got away from home and there was nothing to do and got with a couple other kids and they decided they'd go down and join the Navy. So the boy joined the Navy. When he joined the Navy, he didn't realize the discipline that was involved. He joined the Navy and he got on the, out there and they got him on the ship and, and everything they told him to do, he wouldn't abide by it. He would begin to tell everybody, he said, there ain't nobody going to run my life. My daddy didn't run my life. My mommy didn't run my life. And there ain't nobody in the service going to run my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, in doing that, he got thrown in the brig several times. And about fifth time he was in the brig, finally they brought him before the commanding officer, the captain of the ship. Brought him in his office and set the boy on the other side of the desk. He said, son, he said, I understand that uh, you're having a little problem. He, you don't seem to want to uh, abide by the rules. He didn't even look up. So he began to tell him, he said, you know, you're, you, you joined the Navy and you're in the Navy and, you know, we got certain things we do in the Navy and, and son, if you're going to be a, 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 in the Navy, you're going to have to abide by them. He didn't answer a thing. Finally, the captain looked over at him and said, Son, look up at me. He looked at it in his eyes. He said, Son, I'm going to tell you something. He said, You know, you're in the Navy. You joined up. And you say you're not going to abide by anything we want you to do here. And you know what? We can't make you do it. He said, You know what? You say nobody's going to tell you what to do and when to get up and when, when to go to bed. He said, We can't do that. We can't make you do anything. But someone will tell you one thing. He said, we can sure make you wish you had. Let me tell you something. You may be sitting here this morning saying, God, you can't tell me I have to do anything. And you know something? God can't make you do nothing you don't want to do. God can't make you serve Him. God can't make you pray. God can't make you give. God can make you be what you want, what He wants you to be. You have to be willing to obey. And I'm going to tell you one thing. God can make you wish you did. Because you're going to come to eternity. You're going to come to end of life. You're going to stand before the judgment bar of God. And you're going to complain and you're going to blame it on mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and brother Swagger and somebody else over here that taught you and say, well, if they would have done it differently. No, my friend, this is a choice of yours. You know, the Scripture says, choose you this day whom you will serve. We see those plaques all over. I can remember we gave them away on Father's Day. Brass plaques. People put them, told these men, put them on your door. As you know, choose you today whom you As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what? That's a choice. So if you go to heaven today, you don't go because of something good you did. You go to heaven today because you chose to follow Jesus Christ. And if you go to hell, it's not the devil's fault. It's not mom's fault. It's not your husband and your wife's fault. It's nobody's fault but yours. Because you choose. 
And I'm going to tell you this morning, I believe that every person in this building will make a choice. Before you walk out of these doors this morning, you'll make a choice. You'll make a choice of whether you're going to serve God and be what you ought to be for God and walk where God wants you to walk, or you're going to say, I'm not going to listen to a thing that preacher has to say. You, don't, you may not even like what I have to say, but I'm going to warn you the time will come when you surely wish you had. You'll wish you had accepted Christ. You'll wish you had loved Him. You'll wish you had claimed Him openly as your Lord and Savior. My friend, and I believe that when you listen and obey the Spirit of God, that's why God deals with you. Oh, I've had people say to me, you know, you're preaching sometimes. You know, it just made me feel uncomfortable. I, I just felt sick at my stomach. It wasn't me, my friend. That's the Spirit of God. God's trying to make you sick of what you are to bring you into something that's better. All you have to do is follow. But I wonder this morning. You see, I have an obligation, even as an interim, I have an obligation to watch out for your soul. The only purpose that I drive here every Sunday, the only purpose that I make any calls for, my friend, is because I'm in the business of of trying to help warn people of what might come. You see, sometimes our lives become a mess. I can see in my mind now, bless his heart, he's gone from us. But I can see in my mind now, my wife would get that pretty white shirt and that pretty little clip-on tie, put that jacket on him, He'd walk out of there and you'd think, man, he looked like a New York lawyer. <laughs> Give him five minutes alone and his tail was sticking out. His necktie was sideways. He'd get to messing around with something, he'd run his hand through his hair and be sticking up all over. His shoes would be a mess because he'd walk through the mud puddles. Left alone, he made a mess of himself. You know something? Those that are left alone without the power and the Spirit of God working in their life make a mess of their life. You say, how did they get here? How did they ever do that? How could have they been this way? How could have they at one time walked with God and been such a wonderful saint? And look at them! i tell you why. Because they tried doing it on their own and they made a mess of it. You see, we have to yield to the power and the presence of God. God wants to clean us up today. He wants us to look good. He wants to be proud of us. He, 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 wants, us, he, he wants to look at us and say, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's my kids. Not ask, whose kids are those? Who are they? God wants you today to yield yourself totally, completely to Him. And that's what I'm here for. To offer you that this morning. Right here in this service, before you walk out these doors, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're walking with Jesus. He's real in your heart and your life. And He wants to solve any problem you're walking with today. Don't go out of here discouraged and saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Oh yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Will you come to Him today? I'm going to ask you to stand with us. Father, this morning, You know the hearts and the lives of these folk, Lord, wonderful folk that have come today. They've come, Lord, looking for help and 
encouragement. And Lord, we're here today to help them receive that. We're here, here today to help them to know that, Lord, with You in their hearts and their lives, that, God, they can do anything. They can defeat anything, no matter what the habit. No, long, no matter how far back in the family line it has gone, it can break this very day because, Lord, they've committed themselves to You. Father, we pray for every man, woman, boy, girl that sits in this building today. Lord, if they have something that's in their life that's holding them back from being all that You want them to be, Lord, let them just lay it here at this altar today and walk out of here free with the power and the presence of God in their lives. Father, speak to hearts and lives as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.